Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com. Find a way. Hey, 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 it's Christoph Wrights, the founder of the Poet Life, co host of the Poet Life Podcast. I'm excited today because the one today is the the 23rd um, and on the 23rd of October and on October 29th, I'm excited to say that we're continuing on with our tradition. We have a program called Fighting Cancer with Poetry. Yes, everything is poetry around here. And as you know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, you know, but I have a, a major connection with childhood cancer. A good friend of mine, his name is Justin Islar, uh, passed away in 2012 of sarcoma cancer. And that's one of those connected to the childhood cancer family. And um, um, uh, he was diagnosed at uh, the age of 18, freshman year in college at Coppin State University and uh, fought seven years and passed at the age of 25. What I did not know was that he didn't start writing poetry until after he was diagnosed with cancer. Didn't know that, didn't know that until he passed because he was just so good in poetry. Um, so he wrote about 12 pieces of poem poems during his bout with cancer, um, chronicling his journey. Um, we put those poems together and created a book and um, um, again, fighting cancer with poetry was inspired by Justin. But right now I have uh, a friend of mine, a colleague um, in the fight against cancer. His name is Tattoo Tom. Tattoo Tom, what's going on, sir? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me today. Appreciate you. Most definitely. His real name is Tom Mitchell, everybody. But he's well known as Tattoo Tom. Let yeah. me ask you, Tom, uh, uh, where did you get that name? Okay, so a lot of people, it's funny, I used to own a tattoo shop, right? So most oh. people assume most people assume that I owned a tattoo shop in Virginia for 10 years. Uh, most people assume that my nickname came from the tattoo shop. But the truth of the matter is, I'm also, at a, for a period of time, I worked as a, um, a videographer at a skydiving facility. And there were five Toms that worked there. So in order to differentiate them between me and everybody else, they started, they just dubbed me Tattoo Tom. And then later on, I became a professional boxer, had two fights at the Patriot Center, in fact, um, to raise money for kids with cancer. And that moniker followed me into my boxing career, which was short lived. So long. It's not even a long story. I got knocked out in the second round. But they call me Tattoo Tom. And then when Still Brave started, um, it just followed me there. And the kids really dig it. And the kids, you know, they call me Tattoo Tom, like, hey, Tattoo Tom. And it's just kind of my my shtick that's really worked. But interestingly enough, even though I owned a tattoo studio, the moniker didn't come from that. It came from my skydiving buddies. Wow. Let me ask you, what, what's your Instagram? Do you have an Instagram? So we have a still brave Instagram. Uh, and for life of me, I don't run that. So one of the uh, girls that works for me runs it. For life of me, it's escaping me what it is right now. But we do have a still brave Instagram. And I can get that information to you. I just, for the life of me, it's escaping me right the second. I think it's still brave one or something like that. And it it? May, that well, that's my personal one. But we have another one that's... Um, I'll have to ask Jackie. She runs all my social media outside of Facebook. I'll have to ask her what it is. I, I actually know what it is. It's still Brave Renegades. Yep, that makes sense. There you go. Still Brave Renegades. I wanted, I'm asking you because, as you saw right there, I changed uh, 
your screen name to Steel Brave Renegade. So okay. when people are watching, they can just go straight to your your Instagram page and follow yeah, awesome. you. Yeah, that. yeah, most definitely. I meant to I meant to say that before we went live, but you know, yeah, I try to give you a heads up. I'm not too technologically savvy. They let me run my Facebook page, but they don't let me be in charge of anything else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what you call a team. Yeah, that, exactly. That's my that's inner circle. They're the team. They're the real heart. Their strengths, you know. That's right. They're most the real definitely. heartbeat. Yeah, they're the real heartbeat is still brave. So, I just so show up. What year? What year was this uh, when you got into the fight of cancer? Okay, so so my daughter was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, wow. and um, so, long story. I'll give you a kind of condensed version of this story. I was a single dad at the time, and I really got to the point where I was struggling because I couldn't work because her treatment consumed right. me. We spent yeah. eight nine hours a day in the chemotherapy clinic, five days a week, um, and then I had to care for her on the weekends. So I couldn't work, and that was a tough spot for a guy like me, probably for most men to be in, you know, I've owned my own businesses my entire life. Um, so I'm, and I guess, you know, as much as I hate to admit it and I'm working on my humility, but I'm a proud guy. So I struggle with taking, you know, help from people. Uh, but there was mm. one time where we were just desperate. We didn't have any food. We were getting food delivered from a soup kitchen. Um, a food bank was helping us out. I couldn't pay rent. So there was a foundation. Um, there weren't very many foundations back then, like there are today. Um, there was a foundation that stepped up and helped us with our rent that month. And I felt uh, so grateful to them that I was trying to think of a way that I could pay them back. So mm. as a kid, I used to box. I, I grew up in PG County, Maryland. Okay. And, uh, and, and I used to box out at Laurel Boys and Girls Club when I was like nine, 10 years old. So I know how to throw a straight punch. Yeah. So I, I became friends with a guy named Jimmy Lang, who was a, a big boxer in the DMV. And yeah. uh, he used to visit my daughter in the hospital. And one thing led to another. And we came up with this idea for me to fight on his card at the Patriot Center. That's what they called it back then. I guess it's right. Eagle Bank Arena or something now. Yeah. I'm dating myself, <laughs> but he's called the Patriot <laughs> Center. And so, um, so I wanted to, uh, to to pay them back. So I, I, I set up this this boxing match, and uh, the the money that we had gotten from the from the foundation was about fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollars. And uh, even though I got knocked out in the second round, um, I raised over twenty thousand dollars. Um, and so I gave that entire amount of money back to the, to the foundation that helped us out. So I paid him back the 1200 plus interest. Yeah. Wow. And wow. I actually fought two fights and my first fight, my daughter was still alive and that would have been, um, I guess, November of 2018. And she actually walked me to the ring, um, at that fight. And then we, uh, because I lost that fight, we scheduled a rematch. And then unfortunately my daughter passed away in January of 2009. So the second time I walked into the ring by myself um, and Sally, you know, I lost that fight again. While I'm a good boxer, I'm not a, pro, I'm not a professional boxer and I can yeah. throw a straight punch, but the guy I was fighting, I mean, it was not pro wrestling. He was, he wanted to win right. and, and he, and he beat me, hit me hard, knocked me back to second grade. And, uh, and I decided at that point I was going to pick up a safer sport. So I went back to skydiving. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Wow. Yeah. So, but, but, but we did raise the money and we, we were able to touch a lot of lives. And that, and that segued into Still Brave. The first fight we um, we had given um, all the money to a, a foundation that had helped us out. And but right before my daughter died, this is a little bit of a sad story, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, you know, I had come home as a single dad. And so I ran to the pharmacy one evening to pick up our prescriptions. And, I, you know, I was gone 10, 15 minutes. But when I had gotten home, she had 
gotten up to use the restroom and she, she had struggled to get there. She was on an oxygen tank and she had gotten tangled up in her lines and um, mm. she fell down and she couldn't get back up. And so when I came home, she was crying. She had, you know, she had soiled herself and I mm -hmm. picked her up and I washed her and um, I, <clears throat> and yeah. I, I carried her back to the bed laying down, laying her down in the bed. She whispered in my ear. She's like, I'm still brave. Right, dad. I'm wow. still brave. And, uh, and, and a couple of days later, my daughter died. Um, she fought bravely and she was really still brave. But the, the irony is that she wasn't being brave for herself. She, she's being brave for me. Right. And so I promised that I would uh, spend the rest of my life helping children with cancer and their families that were in similar situations. And shortly thereafter, still brave became a reality. And uh, the universe has conspired in our favor. And, and we've been uh, a force to reckon with in the childhood cancer community for quite some time now, over 10 years. Yes, you have, for sure. You are, you are super, literally, you're a superhero in that realm. Um, well, I don't, I like to tell people, I say, uh, you know, I might be on the side of angels, but don't think for one second that I am one. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. like to call myself a hero. That's not, I, I made a promise to my daughter and that's yeah. what I'm doing is honoring that promise. I like to think I'm a good man and my word sure. is good. And right. plus, little, little joke to that story. My daughter told me that if I didn't dedicate my life to helping children with cancer and their families, she's going to come back and haunt me. <laughs> and, look, man, I don't want that. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't want that. So. so she was diagnosed in 2007. 2007. That's right. With Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is, um, you know, a fairly treatable cancer. But unfortunately, upon her diagnosis, it had already progressed to stage mm. four. And, you know, try as we might, we, we, we couldn't get it under control. And, you know, I could, I could spend the next hour talking about the need for less toxic, better treatments. And, and, and the fact that, you know, chemotherapy is not medicine, it's poison, but right. that's a, you know, that's a whole nother topic for another day. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, you know, I tell people all the time because they'll ask me, you know, about my daughter and things like that. And so this is the way that I've compartmentalized it. I went to, I go to a lot of funerals now, unfortunately, because I'm so plugged in with, with the families. Um, but I heard a pastor at this, um, it was a Southern Baptist church and it was an amazing service for somebody who had passed away. And this pastor was speaking and he said, you know, a long life isn't necessarily a good life. Wow. And that made sense to me. And while my daughter's life was short, she impacted me in such a way that I've gone on now to touch an incredible amount of lives and help a lot of people. And I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just telling you because it's true. Yeah. And uh, had her life been any different, including her diagnosis and her death, we wouldn't be doing what we were doing. There's a neat story if you ever get a chance to look it up. It's called The Brave Little Soul. And mm. it talks about a deal that God makes with a little soul about coming to earth. And that's how I choose to look at my daughter. So you get a chance. I'll send you a link when we're done talking Please to do. the story. Yeah. It's a great story. Wow. So so basically, she pursued her path, her, her purpose. And right, for sure. Her com completed her work. Yep. That's what I believe. She came here to do something specific. She did it. Um, and then her job was done. And so she wow. went back to wherever it is that brave little souls go. She yeah. was a real matter of fact. That was the thing that I, I think I love the most about my daughter. She wasn't one to candy coat stuff. And she was a very opinionated and, and very aggressive. And, and that's one of the things that I admired. But she told me countless times in no uncertain terms what I was to do when she died. And she made it clear that this is what I was to do. And I did, I, I took it as, as gospel and I do it. Wow. And how, how was she when she passed? So she was diagnosed at 16 and she passed away at 18. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You told me, um, 
You told me that you you wrote a little poet uh, a little poetry. I do um, write a little poetry. I've been writing poetry since I was a a kid. Something it's interesting. Something that just uh, I had a, a seventh grade English teacher who tasked us with writing a poem one day. And back then in in school, I was too cool for poetry, right? Right. Like, I wasn't right. going to write a poem. Right. Uh, but she talked me into it. She really impacted me. Her name was Mrs. Link. And one mm. day I, I want to find her. I think it's ironic that her name was Link, but that's another story. Yeah. But she encouraged me. She's like, Tom, I think, you know, based on what you've done here in class, I think you could you could write a good poem. And I wrote one and she thought it was wonderful and I kind of liked it. And from that moment forward, um, I wrote a lot of poetry. You know, occasionally you'll see me down at Busboys and Poets on open yeah. mic night. Every once in a while, I'll get down there. Um, nice. I do write a lot of poetry. Um, I'm a singer, songwriter, so I write a lot of songs. Really? I mean, well, to say I'm a singer is kind of a stretch. I do uh, front a, a punk rock band. So okay. I, right, I carry right. a tune not very far. Sure. But, uh, but I write all the lyrics. I write all the lyrics for the band. And, and I'm also uh, currently working on a, a book, so I'm trying to write a book as well. But I love yeah. writing, and I love- You have uh, layers, my, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers to me. I that's what, I mean. I, nobody is more surprised than me. If you knew all the things, like I just do a lot of things, and you know, like when I was a kid, somebody said life is wasted on the living, and I was like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out like that. So you know, I'm trying to do a little living while I'm alive. Right. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are existing. Yeah, and I think we see that a lot right now, right? Right. Um, well, definitely. You know, it, yeah. So, but I try to do stuff and, you know, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm a guy who more than anything, what I pride myself on and what I like to really, um, you know, drive home is I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay. What I do right. is I show up and I right. wing it, but I show up. And for me, that's what life is all about. It's about the yeah. showing up, the, the results and the outcome that's up to the gods. You know what I mean? It's not up right. to me. What's right. up to me is the showing up. It's the footwork. And that's what I do. I show up and wing it, man. Right. I do it. I do it in as many ways as I possibly can. Most definitely. That's 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 half the battle. I think so. Showing I think it's, I think it's three quarters yourself, of the battle. Showing yeah. up for others. Yeah, most definitely. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm glad I thought to reach out to you um, in, in relation to this event. Because, um, you know, I, I've been following you for years, man. And, um, and I was just thinking of, all right, what, what organization should we connect with and I, I, I you know your name just popped in my head I, or i was on facebook and your post popped up on my page maybe i'm not sure how that worked out but i'm glad it did and um again today is uh october 23rd and so six days from now on october 29th um we will be live on our youtube page uh or youtube channel uh, Poet Life TV, but also our Facebook page, um, The Poet Life. But we'll also be live on Still Brave Childhood Can Childhood Found. What is it? What is yeah, it? Still, Still Brave Childhood Cancer Foundation. Got you, definitely. Um, and so, from if you're on the East Coast, it's five to nine. So do the math on that. Uh, and what we're going to do, and, and it's still time, poets or people who just like to write poetry. Um, we are allowing you to submit uh, your poems, uh, your cancer related poems to where you can uh, record yourself reading, reciting or performing. If you're into spoken word, um, uh, your 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 cancer related poem, just send that video in. And what we're going to do is have a semi live 
um, production to where we have a live host, but the videos will be pre-recorded. And so the host will be doing his thing between each poem. Um, it's four hours, which means uh, just make your video about five hours, I'm sorry, five minutes and uh, introduce your poem with your name, where you're from, uh, what inspired you to write the poem, who do you know that's been affected by cancer? Um, and, and just send it in. We're going to use that. Just make sure it's clean, no cursing and things of that nature. We keep the, we keep the brand clean. We want to make sure that the kids and church folks and moms and dads are able to uh, consume it without being cursed out. And um, uh, just keep it clean. And, and we're really excited about what we're doing. So we're going to be raising funds and awareness for childhood cancer. And we'll be donating it to um, still brave. And so, uh, tattoo time, man. Um, let me ask you about the tattoos, right? I know the origin, the beginning, but then you started to incorporate the tattoos in, in your fundraising and your, right. right. Yeah. So, so initially, like a lot of people, I just got a tattoo, right? I, I mean, I, like a lot of people do. And then I got more and more tattoos and then eventually I owned a tattoo studio and got a bunch more. Yeah. A lot of the, those initial tattoos were tattoos that were of personal nature to me and like a lot of people meant something right. to them. But late, later on, as Still Brave really started to um, to evolve, I, I was trying to think. So I, I'm always trying to think, how can I incorporate you know, what I am into what I do rather than trying to be like a childhood cancer activist? I'm just trying to be Tattoo Tom that does childhood cancer activism. Right. Wow. So I've yeah. incorporated skydiving. I've incorporated our music. I've incorporated boxing. Um, so I was like, how do I incorporate tattoos into this? So what wound up happening, it started sort of serendipitously, quite frankly. Um, I, I used to own a tattoo shop, as I said, um, and, and, and I sold that tattoo shop. And now the owner, a gentleman named James Marlowe, who owns shout out to Marlowe Inc. Tattoo in Fairfax, Virginia, good mm -hmm. friend of mine. And he was really generous. And he said to me one day, he said, if you ever have a family, you know, whose child passes away or, or there's a meaningful tattoo, you call me and I'll hook them up. So that's mm -hmm. what, that's sort of how it started. So we started doing tattoos for families whose children had passed away, some memorial tattoos and James Marlowe would do those free of charge for us. Wow. And, um, and as things were starting to evolve, I got this idea one day and I said, well, what would happen if I decided to auction a part of my body to the highest bidder? And whatever that person, whoever that winning winner was of that auction, they could tattoo anything they wanted on my body. Within reason, of course, and we keep right. the brand clean, nothing yeah. inappropriate. Right. But uh, I guess in my mind, I was thinking that uh, maybe like uh, McDonald's or Exxon Corporation would give me like 50 grand to put their logo on my head or something. Uh, mm. But unfortunately, it didn't turn out quite that way, uh, which, which wound up being better. So let me tell you, the first auction that I did, this little girl with brain cancer raised $3,000, her and her friend. They went out, they had yard sales and car washes and, and did odd jobs and did everything they could. And they were the winning bidder and they won the tattoo. Do you know what they made me get tattooed, my friend? They made me get a kitty cat butterfly unicorn standing on a softball. <laughs> I don't know how to say this. I don't have to say this. Farting rainbow gas. <laughs> and I have a tattoo on my leg. Right now, a big old kitty cat unicorn oh, butterfly standing on a softball farting rainbow gas. Um, and then for the next four or five years, every year we auctioned off a part of my body and we got a variety of tattoos. So that was one way that it sort of transpired. 
And then oftentimes I'll travel around the country. Kids will see me on social media. I mean, also, I'm sure you know I run ultra marathons, 200-mile races. I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, so so I'm, I'm kind of nationally known for that. And uh, the, the races that I run to raise money, we've raised over, um, I think, over a million dollars just on my ultra running. Um, but I dedicate each of those miles to a different child who's either fighting cancer or has lost their battle to cancer. And my daughter is always the final mile in the race. And I carry mm. pictures of those kids with me uh, on these races. I mean, I, I, I make sure that two things. Number one, that children with cancer who pass away are never forgotten. I'm not going to let them be forgotten. I'm not going to let their parents ever think that their children will be forgotten. And also, I use those children as motivation because I'm not right. really a runner. I'm not a boxer. I'm not a professional skydiver. I'm not a poet. I'm not a singer. I'm just a dad whose daughter got sick, right? Mm. She got really sick and she died. And when she died, I wondered why somebody didn't do something. And then I realized I am somebody. So mm. I do a lot of something. And uh, so anyway, I travel around the country sometimes and visit with kids who have been miles in my races or you know, their parents find me on social media and we FaceTime together, the kids and I. And I'll go visit them and we'll hang out. And oftentimes when I go to visit them, one of the things that we'll do is we'll go to the tattoo parlor and they can dissolve, draw a tattoo for me and I'll get it tattooed in their honor and, 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 and uh, at their, at their, I don't know the right word, at their discretion. Whatever right. they want. So I've got cupcakes and unicorns and all kinds of stuff tattooed on me. Um, my favorite one, tell you a quick story if you have time for it. No, we have time. Go. Yeah, I'll tell you a, a great story. So I had this little boy and um, sadly he was home on hospice. And I knew he was going to pass away. 12-year-old boy with osteosarcoma, a bone cancer, much mm -hmm. like your friend you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And uh, so unfortunately, that's one of the cancers that um, hasn't been a lot of, a lot of progress in treatment. So I mean, it's not right. always a good outcome with the sarcomas. Um, yeah. So anyway, he knew he was going to pass away, 12-year-old boy. And this was April. And he said to me, he says, Tom, and, and I, I mean, I drove to his house every, you know, all the time. We were, we were thick as thieves, this guy. I called him my road dog. And uh, so he, he said to me, he said, hey, Tom, I know I'm not going to make it to Christmas because that's my favorite holiday. He said, any way you can help me do Christmas in April? I said, boy, I got you. So we wound up getting a turkey and a ham and Christmas cookies and a tree and Santa Claus and everything. And um, the news crew showed up. And as a present to him, I got a tattoo on my leg of a, of a dog driving a hot rod. And it says, it's got Daniel's name on it because mm. he's my road dog. And I says to him, during the, 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 the party, I said, so now, no matter what happens, you're always going to be a part of me. That's wow. never going to change. And then, I mean, that's a great story, but here's, the, here's where, the, it's, it's a little sad, that story, but here's where the story gets funny. So the next day, I'm at the hospital visiting with this girl named Meg, and Meg had seen the news story, right? So she looks at me. She, I guess, was around the same age, maybe a year or two older. She says, so I, uh, I see you got a tattoo for Daniel. I says, yeah. She says, well, when are you going to get a tattoo for me? I said, well, Meg, I can't just be getting a tattoo for anybody. You know, I auction off my body. I make money. Plus, I'm running out of room. And Meg right. says, well, I hear what you're saying, but when are you going to get a tattoo for me? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, so I try to buy myself some time, right? So I was like, well, I'll tell you what, Meg, you have to come up with the best idea ever uh, for me to get a tattoo, right? right? And so she says, all right, I'll think about it. So we started walking around the hospital. If you've ever been around with somebody that has cancer uh, and they're, they're hospitalized, you get bored and so you do laps around the floor. Right. So she and I are walking around and she's not saying anything, man. So I can almost smell her little brain churning, right? Mm -hmm. She looks at me, stops. She's dragging her IV pole. 
she stops and she looks at me, she says, Tattoo Tom. And I says, what? And she says, you know how you're always coming up to the hospital and the chemotherapy clinic with visiting with us kids and playing Barbies and, and, and walking around while we're dragging our IV poles? I was like, yeah, Meg. She said, well, you should get a tattoo of an IV pole so we don't feel all alone. Wow. And I was like, James, I'm on my way. Wow. And so I got a tattoo of an IV pole on my leg. And I got to tell you, man, that is my favorite tattoo because now when I go to visit kids, particularly the younger kids, and they're hooked right. up to their IV pole, the first thing I do when I walk in the room, I'm like, whoa, Jimmy, you got an IV pole? So do I, bro. So do I. <laughs> you know, and it's this great icebreaker. And it's right. been like one of the best tools that I've ever had for kind of breaking that that wall with these kids. And so, I mean, I, I can't give enough. And Meg right now is doing great. Meg's in remission. She's wow. kicking butt. She just um she just voted for the first time. Wow. I see her on Facebook all the time. We still go out to dinner. And uh, she helped me get one of my most favorite tattoos ever. That and so is I do want to tell you, um, I can't divulge the, the secret right now. But we've got a big fundraiser coming up that I'm going to be right. announcing any moment on Facebook. I'm just waiting for the web developer to get the functionality of my website complete first. Sure. And it's, it's going to be a huge tattoo fundraiser that's directly related to my book. And uh, this is a little teaser there. Uh, stay tuned to my page. Look at my social media. Stillbrave.org is the website. Find me on Facebook. Follow me. And you'll be able to see how you can be a part of me forever, too. Yeah. Yeah. What What are you? Um, this just came to my mind. What if you incorporated a, um, a campaign, an ongoing campaign, almost like St. Baldrick's, right, where they shave the heads? Mm -hmm. Right. But what if you did the tattoo thing where people can tattoo themselves and raise money that way? Right. So we've contemplated a couple of different things. That's always on the board. We like I mean, I'm going to give a shout to them. We love St. Baldrick's model. What St. Baldrick's yeah. has done with the shave in their heads is propelled. They're probably the most, between them yeah. and Alex's lemonade stand, probably the most successful childhood cancer foundations in the, in the world. Yeah. Um, and we, so we love their model. And so we're always trying to find something. One of the things that we might do is a skydiving fundraiser, mm. where instead of shaving your head, you come out and make a skydive to raise money to help children with cancer and their families. That's we actually good. were sort of working towards that. Then COVID hit. And sort of hemmed us up a little bit because you know it's hard to be in an airplane you right. know, with COVID. And we backed off on that, but we also are thinking about a tattoo thing. And with mm -hmm. the next fundraiser that's coming up, that might be a really good segue. So that's a good idea. I'll, I'll make mention of that to my board of directors at the next meeting for sure. Most definitely. Let me ask you, man how how do you do it? How do you, especially the funerals, right? And and the hospital stays. How? All right. All right. Let me explain it to you the only way I know how. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, when my daughter died, it hurt 12. Okay. I can't describe to you the, the amount of pain that I went through then and that I still go through today to have lost a child. Okay. <clears throat> but I made a promise to her. And so I, I try to keep that promise. And what I've discovered is I get very close to these kids. Speaking of poetry, there was one little girl named Gabriella Miller, um, and she and I would write poetry together. I would. She was a 10-year-old girl, this little Jewish girl, and had nothing in common with a tattooed knucklehead like me, but we became the best of friends. And so I would send a line to the poem to her iPad, and then she would write the next line, then I would write the next line. And we've got like 10 or 15 of those, these most amazing poems. And you wouldn't know which kid um, 
whether it was the kid or the adult that wrote which line, it wow. was amazing. So unfortunately, when Gabriella passed away, on a scale of one to 10, it hurt an 11. Okay, and there's been a lot of kids that I've gotten really close to, and when they pass away, it hurts 11. And when most kids pass away, it hurts 10, like it should. On a scale of right. one to 10, 10 is the highest, right? Right. But he, here's the thing. I haven't gotten back to 12 yet. I know in my heart that I can get through 12, okay? Now, what would what would be, maybe if, a, I hate to say this, I don't want it, to, it's hard to say, but if another child of mine, because I do have other children, if another child were to pass away on a scale of one to 10, it probably would hurt 12 again. Right. But see, I know I can get through that because I've done it, right? And because I can get through it, I have an obligation I have a, uh, not an obligation. I have a, 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 I have to help children mm. with cancer because I can. Now I'll tell you though, I'm not afraid of anything in this whole world. I'm not afraid to get my butt whipped. I'm not afraid to lose my life, my money, nothing. But you know what I am afraid of? I'm afraid of 13. That's what I'm afraid of. Wow. So that's how I do it, man. I, I, I can do it. So I do it. I can't tell you how, I can't tell you why people are like, I don't know how you do it. And I'm always like, I don't know how you don't. Wow. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I, I know, man. To ask you that question, man, because you would post saying, I just came from a funeral. I just came from a funeral. I just came from a funeral. And I'm like, how? How? I had two kids, two kids last week passed away at the same time. Neither one of their families could, could afford the funerals. So I had two children in the same funeral home at the same time. And I was arranging their services and it's hard. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you that it's not hard, but if I didn't do it, who would have done it? You know? Tell me, tell me, tell, tell me what your organization does. You're, you're, you're okay. giving pieces, but tell me what your right. organization so does. Our mission statement is, is the Still Brave provides non-medical supportive care to children with cancer and their families. So that's pretty open-ended. I guess basically what that means is unlike St. Baldrick's, we don't give money for cancer research. If I gave every penny I ever made since I started this to cancer research, I would have bought a microscope and two slides. It had been a waste of money, right? right but I've right. taken that money and I've I've paid rents, I've paid mortgages, I've paid car payments, home repairs, funerals, um, vacations, flights to other cities to get treatment in other cities. Um, we have a program uh, for brothers and sisters of children with cancer whose lives are almost always mm -hmm. overshadowed mm -hmm. by their siblings' diagnosis through no fault of their own. Right. Um, so we do things for them. We have events that celebrate them. And the funny part of that story is almost every time we put an event on, the sibling insists, of course, that their their brother or sister with cancer comes to the events. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, <laughs> right, right. Um, so we do that. And, and one of the things that makes us unique is, um, you know, we do the, the hard stuff. Um, a lot of our families are, are well below the poverty line before childhood cancer diagnosis. We do a lot of work with inner city kids. Um, African-American kids, Spanish kids, immigrants, a lot of people, some people are, I, I never ask, are you a citizen of the United States before I offer help? Okay. Right. But some foundations do. And uh, so we, we like to set ourselves apart. We're the place, we're the people that you call, that the social workers call when there's nobody else to call. They call Tattoo Tom and Tattoo Tom always says yes. Wow. And you figure out a way to get it done. I get it done, man. And, and I, I don't do it by myself. I do it with a 
with the tribe of renegades. We call ourselves renegades. And that's a, a, a song I, I heard a long time ago. And the line from the song is, renegades are people with their own philosophies. They change the course of history. Everyday people like you and me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Wow. So, and then, and then I'm a big softie. So when I can, like, I, I love to spend, I'd spend every minute of every day in the chemotherapy clinics playing Barbies and crazy eights and, and whatever. Like I, for some reason, and I really couldn't tell you how it is, but kids dig me. Like, I'm like, I've never thought in a million years, particularly, you know, with the life I led as a, a younger man that I'd ever right. be doing this. Right. But kids just dig me. I mean, they fall in love with me as quickly as I fall in love with them. And, uh, and again, that just lends itself to, I do it because I can. And right. like, I, I can't tell you how many times, and again, this isn't to brag, it's just true. And it baffles me. I'm more surprised than anybody. But I'll right. go visit a kid at the hospital who's had this you know horrible time with these horrible treatments, got mouth sores and all the horrible side effects. And their parents will tell me after I leave that their child was inconsolable until I showed up. And I, and I changed the whole the whole way the whole way of feeling about themselves, man. And that I, I, another answer that I would give you as to how I'm able to do what I do, it's because it's sacred. You know, the work mm. I do is sacred, and I treat it that way. And I and I take that um, that ideology into my work. What I'm doing is sacred, and I'm I'm honored and bewildered, but so grateful that I'm the person that the God or the universe or whoever has chosen to do this sacred work. I'm eternally grateful that I'm that person. Most definitely. But you know, that's why I said earlier, you're, you're a su superhero to, to the kid, to the child. Yeah. You're... I mean, in a lot of ways, they look up to me. They think I'm a, I'm a, I always tell people I'm yeah. a cartoon character. You know, I don't like superhero, but I'm a cartoon character. I come in, I'm hyper animated. I'm hyper alive. I don't say that, I don't talk down to them. I talk to children, eight-year-old children the same way I would talk to you, like grown man, you know, mm -hmm. and they appreciate that. And kids can right. tell, man. Kids right. can tell authenticity from a mile away. See right through know? it, yeah. Yeah, and so I don't put on any front when I walk in. I'm me for them. And and here's another thing that, that I'll tell you, and this is a little bit of a secret, but I'll tell you anyway. A lot of these kids, particularly the ones that pass away, they're those brave little souls that I was telling you about. They mm -hmm. worked out a deal with God when they came here to mm -hmm. do their little bit and then go back to heaven after they touched the lives, right? But I know that they're the brave little souls and they know that I know, okay? So it's a little weird. It's like the veil is parted a little bit and uh, between this life and the others. And right. I know why they're here and they know that I know. So it's a little partnership that the kids and I have uh, to take care of their parents. That's what we're doing. That is awesome, man. That's that is that is so amazing to me. Because, um, like I said, I've always wanted to ask you. You know, I never really had the 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 atmosphere, the the environment to just say, "Hey, so how do you do it?" Like you know. So, yeah. um, and you articulated it so well. Um, yeah. What What are you all's? What How has COVID? We talked about this. I think the other day. How has COVID affected you all's mission? So COVID, COVID hit is hitting us pretty hard. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, like right. a lot of businesses, particularly nonprofits, right. when the economy gets bad, people stop their charity giving. Right? Yeah, it just happens. And then also because of COVID, I had a 240 mile ultra marathon marathon scheduled through the Moab Desert for October. It was supposed to, I was supposed to be there last week, but two of my crew members 
live in states that required a 14 day quarantine if they traveled to Utah. Right. So I couldn't, I couldn't take them with me. And then quite frankly, you know, I didn't want to, uh, to jeopardize the health and safety of my crew to mm. travel. So we lost, I mean, we lost about $150,000 this year. So that um, race is still on. The race went on. Yeah, it, it happened. Uh, they just ended. I think it ended on um, last week. Uh, it was a four day race, but I couldn't take my crew there. I erred on the side of caution because I didn't want to, because my, my tribe is savage. Like my tribe will do anything for me. And if I had asked them to come anyway, they would have came anyway. And I just didn't want to do that. So I, I decided for better or for worse to trust God, to trust the universe that if I lose this $150,000, um, it'll come up, come back to us some other ways. And, uh, and I believe that like, I shouldn't be successful. Still brave. Shouldn't be successful. I'm a tattooed knucklehead. Right. But we are, and we, right. we keep, we keep, and I don't know why I don't know how, uh, but I think I, if I were to wager a guess, it probably has very little to do with me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just show up and wing it, bro. That's all wow. I'm doing. Tell me about that race, man. Cause you've, you've run that race. Well, let me, let me tell you. So I've run several, uh, ultra marathons ranging from okay. 50 miles upwards of 200 miles. Um, I completed one 200 mile race in 2015 around Lake Tahoe through California and Nevada. Um, unfortunately the next race that I attempted was called the Bigfoot 200. And mm. that race was up Mount St. Helens volcano and across the Cascade mountains. And it had the equivalent of, of elevation change of running up Mount Everest and Mount Kilimanjaro combined. Um, and so I tried three times and every time I tried that race, something would happen. Um, I got injured real bad one year, ripped my groin. Um, I got mm. hyper uh, dehydrated one time and couldn't even drink water and I was medically discharged. And then another time I got to an aid station past the time cutoff and I got disqualified. It's called did not finish. So right. three years in a row, I did not finish. But just like children with cancer who relapse, they got to keep going back, you know, or they'll die. You know, so I wasn't necessarily going to die if I didn't go back and win this race again and again and again. But I went back anyway. And last year in 2019, I'm proud to tell you, I finished that race, finally finished it. And it was the most amazing thing to cross that finish line after those four tries. I got a tattoo about it, as a matter of fact. Right. Um, and I can't say what the tattoo says because we're keeping your brand clean. <laughs> yeah. But I did get a tattoo about it. And wow. uh, and so so that race was 206 miles um, and arguably the most difficult. Six miles over four days. Yeah. And so I ran. It, it took me there. I think the cutoff was like 105 hours and it took me close to 100 hours. And of those 100 hours, I slept for about five. So I was on my feet for 90 some hours moving up and down some of the steepest mountains you've ever been in, in your life. Mountains like this, man, where I was like, my chin was scraping. Um, but every time I felt like quitting and every time I got tired, particularly those this kids. last year, I looked at those cards of those kids and I said, I'm not quitting on Jimmy's mile. I'm not quitting on Billy's mile. I'm not quitting on Susie's mile. And next thing you know, I crossed that finish line. You know? so, and so, so I modeled for... Tell me how you have them, right? Your your cards of the kids. How how do you? So what I do is I when when I'm getting ready for a race, I post on social media, get ready to run another race. If you would like me to honor your child at one of the miles, please send me a picture and a bio of your child. And I get 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of kids. It's, it's unfortunate there, there are that many kids. Right. Um, and then what we do is we try to raise money per mile. So we have competitions. Like you can start a team and you try to raise $1,000 for Billy mile 42 and you right. compete against other teams. And so we've raised, I think, I think the last year's race, the, the most we've ever made, we made $236,000 um, at the Tahoe 200. And most of that money, I think over a hundred and something thousand dollars came just of the race because I'll be hallucinating and I can't see straight and they film it and they put it on Facebook. And when people see me, you know, hallucinating and losing my mind and suffering like that, they tend to donate more money. So it's a model that we started that seems to work for us. Um, the only unfortunate part is I got to run the races <laughs> and they're not easy, man. They will, they will break you, especially like day three with no sleep. You, you, you really hallucinate, like you see stuff that's not there. And while I was cognizant of the fact that I was hallucinating and I was, those things weren't real, I saw them nonetheless, like they were there in my, in the middle of the trail in the middle of the night, there were dragons and car mechanics and all boats and all this stuff. And uh, so then what I'll do is I'll get to the next aid station, which could be anywhere from 12 to 20 miles in between. And I'll lay down just long enough for the hallucinations to stop. And then I get back up because I'm slow. And if I don't get back up, I won't finish on time. So I just sleep just long enough to shut off the hallucinations. Then I start moving again until they come back. It's it's crazy, but it's well, I'll do anything. I'd cut my arm off to help kids with cancer if I thought it would benefit them. You know what I mean? That's how serious I am about what I do. Yeah, I uh, the last two years I followed you um, with those races. And I was like, this dude is absolutely crazy yeah oh yeah well, mine's, mine's, my sanity shouldn't come into play because i'm definitely crazy man. yeah because I, 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 I run now and you're right and i only run two miles in the morning and i'm winded and sweaty and gone you know and and just thinking about 206 and four days yeah this this race that i'm gonna attempt so we, we couldn't go this year because of covid but good lord willing and the creek don't rise we're gonna go back next year so I have all the kids in place. We've already raised $45,000 or something. Um, so I'm going to go back next year. This race is 240 miles through the desert. So it should be interesting. Um, you know, it's going to be hot as, as all could be during the day. It's going to be freezing below zero at night. And, uh, and I've got to move 240 miles. Um, but I'm doing it for 240 kids. To me, it's not 240 miles. It's 240 kids. So does your... Um your team go with you during the race? They drive? Yeah. How's yeah, so, that work? So I, so I bring a team with me that usually is about four or five people. And what happens is after a certain distance, so after I think like the first 50 or 60 miles, I'm allowed what's called a pacer. And so a pacer actually runs with me to keep me from getting off. Because when I'm hallucinating, it's easy to make a wrong turn. It's easy to lose sight of where I'm going, especially at night. You know, I, So I bring a pacer with me to help keep me grounded and focused. So we bring two pacers so they can switch off and sleep so everybody's right. rested. And then the crew will travel from aid station to aid station with a big SUV so that I can jump in and get a couple of minutes of sleep and then get food and, and things like that. And, and they make sure that I have changes of shoes and changes of clothing as the weather changes and stuff like that. So they really look out for me because, I mean, when I say to you that I'm hallucinating, like imagine like a crazy person hallucinating, you know, and they've got to keep me moving. That's they've got to get me dressed and out back on the trail. And that's their job because I would just spin around in circles that, you know, I wouldn't even know what to do. So right. my crew is indispensable. It's there. I wouldn't finish any of these races without them. 
And that's right. why I didn't want to risk their safety and health right. be, uh, with going this year because they're that important to me. Wow. But it, it's wow. crazy, man. It's fun. It's fun yeah. as all get out and it's miserable as all get out too. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, I'm not a runner, bro. Like I'm not right. a runner. I'm not a boxer. I'm none of those things. You know, I just pretend to be so I can help kids with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I, I'm I'm really um, astounded right now, man. Um, I, I knew of you and, you know, we've seen each other um, in passing, but also at the um, uh, Sarcoma Foundation of, no, the- um, Cure Fest. Cure Fest. Cure Fest. Cure yep. Fest. Um, you know, we've been performing poetry there year after year. Yep. And um, I'm just really excited just to finally be, be connecting with you um, and on again on October 29th, 2020, six days from now, uh, we are going to fight cancer with poetry and um, uh, we are accepting poems, cancer related poems from people who I almost say poets, because like you said, you're not a poet, but you write poetry. Right. right. So people who like to write poetry, um, you can submit uh, a cancer related poem video. And we will utilize that and incorporate that into the poetry a thon. That's what we're calling it. Awesome. All right. So from five to nine, that is a Thursday. Next Thursday, October 29th, we are raising funds and awareness for cancer, childhood um, cancer. And uh, we're donating that, donating that money to Still Brave Cancer Foundation. Um Tom, if you could leave something with with the folks that are listening, reading, because it is a blog too, um, and watching, what would you say to them? So I, I tell people all the time that I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you how to think, but I want you to do something, and I mm -hmm. just want you to think. You know, and these kids, um, they don't have a voice. You know. Um, Adults, when they get cancer, sometimes it's due to lifestyle choices that they've made. Wow. There's a variety of things, occupational hazards, a variety of things that factor into it. When a child gets cancer, they haven't done anything, man. You know, they don't deserve it. And uh, again, what I what I tell people all the time is, you know, when my daughter died, I wondered why somebody didn't do something. And then I realized I am somebody. Mm. So what I'm looking for is I'm looking for somebodies to help me. Please help me. Cause I can't run these races forever, man, right. but I will, I'll charge right. hell with half a bucket of water and a gasoline suit for these yeah. children. You know? So I tell people all the time, advocate, donate, just do something, do something, volunteer something, please help me. Right. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, you know, um, uh, we fight cancer with poetry, but really, um, it's really fighting cancer with creativity. Yeah, for sure. Right specifically we just use poetry like if you like to play basketball start right. a tournament raise everybody's money everybody's good like, at something right everybody's something. Good whatever at you're something. good at whatever you like doing whatever it might be you can raise cuz you'll get that question i'm sure you get that a lot too but what can i do you yeah, know yeah i get that all the time yeah I right. get that yeah. all the time yeah so whatever it is that you are you're fond of you know whatever church organization, you yeah. know, uh, fraternity, sorority, university, you can start something to help raise awareness at the very least. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've all got, you know, you, you call me a superhero. Again, I don't like that term, but we've yeah. all got superpowers. We all do, whether it's right. writing poetry, whether it's 
running up mountains. We all have superpowers. The trick is to use your superpowers for good. Exactly. Like Batman and Spider-Man and those guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I'm about. Like whatever it is, be creative about it. You know, don't do what I do, do what you do, but do it to help somebody else. Right. You know? Right. Folks, thank you all for listening, watching and reading. Um, this is the Poet Life podcast. It's Christoph Wrights and this is Tattoo Tom. And again, we are fighting cancer with poetry on October 29th and beyond. Uh, um, we're, we're not accepting the funds. The funds are going directly to uh, Still Brave. Your website is stillbrave.org. Stillbrave.org. Uh-huh. Yes. And you can donate directly to the website. You can. Um, super easy. It's a tab that says donate. I went to the website last night just to check out the flow of everything. And it's super easy. Um, so so it isn't a long out, long drawn out process. Simply go to stillbrave.org and donate now. Um, you can donate from here to whenever, whenever you get paid, whenever the situation, um, you know, comes to your mind to say, I, you know, I'm ready to donate. Please do that. Um, because again, during these times, especially COVID, um, has stopped a lot of the activities as Tom said. And so, uh, we have to make up for that, you know, and go even further than that. So do us that favor. Um, join in. Um, I'm sure that you know someone. Unfortunately, that is the case. Yeah, everybody knows someone, right? That's been touched everybody by Everybody knows someone, whether it's a family yeah. or friend. So um, it used to be that wasn't the case, but it is now and it, it is what it is. So um, it's the Poet Life Podcast. Check us out at thepoetlife.com. Again, we're connecting with Still Brave Go to stillbrave.org to donate, check them out, follow them, get involved. Thank you all for being, uh, for watching, listening, and reading. It's the Poet Life Podcast. Thank you so, so much for having me, Christoph. I appreciate you. When you when you called me uh, or messaged me about this, it was a no-brainer for me. Yes, I, I respect you. I respect what you're doing, and I respect poetry. So it was a no-brainer for us. We're, we're honored to be partnering with you on this project. So thank you so, Absolutely. so much. Awesome, man. Tom, I'll talk to you, okay? All right, but you have a great day. All right, talk to you. All right. Introducing the Poet Life Podcast. Go check it out today on your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Apple Music, and the website, thepoetlife.com. Find a way.